When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson Gates. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Hello and welcome to another edition of Pod Like a Raven. Some news this week coming out of Ravens camp, some news coming out of NFL camp. Some of it's exciting, some of it's weird, some of it's bizarre. We will get to all of it. I'm Antonio Barbera, joined remotely. Again, it's it's becoming more and more uh, the habit now. My office isn't open till at least the end of May, probably into June. Joined remotely. Tim Horsey, first of all, in, in D.C. Tim, how are, you, how are you doing over there? Uh, outside of looking like a caveman, um, I think this is the longest my hair has been since college, which is saying something is, uh, for you two, especially who knew me back when I literally had a forest on top of my head. Um, it's going well. Uh, we we definitely have some things to talk about, some weird things. Uh, we have an NFL schedule, but I definitely don't think we need to start with that because there's something else to discuss. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to dive into all of it today. Joining us from the West Coast, La La Land, Jace Evans. Jace, I assume the weather's really nice outside, but you can't really go to it right now? Uh, yeah, I haven't been out in it much. It's actually, it was really hot. It got hot early, but it has since cooled down, so we're back to... Back to good old uh, mid-70s California weather out here, so it's hard to complain about it too much. <laughs> Northeast, D.C., New York region. We were, like, in the high 30s a few days ago. <laughs> we'll get to the 80s in, like, two days, so that's just your classic, your classic Northeast. <laughs> what is spring, really? <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm good. And, uh, believe it or not, we had an honest-to-goodness American sporting event over the weekend, uh, our good friends at the UFC just bleeding it uh, on each other, on the floor, rolling around in it, and uh, just having some good fights. One guy failed his coronavirus test ahead of time. No worries. Just got him off the card. Everyone else fought. Uh, 
Do I have concerns about if this goes poorly in the days to come? That uh, sports will be coming back? For sure. But, for now, it was great to have an actual sporting event. Uh, it was fun to watch the fights. Some good ones. It was a, it was a very, uh, it was kind of like, the I guess, the mirage in the desert, perhaps. A uh, uh, little bit of UFC action, but it was a good time on uh, Saturday night. So, doing great. So, speaking of fights... I think we should probably get right into our first topic of the, of the week here. And that has to do with a Raven player uh, by the name of Earl Thomas. Wednesday night of last week, this sort of cryptic Instagram post came out from Earl Thomas where he basically said that some, some news was going to come out on Thursday morning about him leaked to TMZ and that he was just trying to get out ahead of it and it was going to be bad. And the three of us started texting sort of late hours uh, Wednesday night about, oh no, uh, right, this is definitely going to be a disaster, probably something that Earl Thomas did negatively uh, that would bring him to, to say such a post without there actually being any news. And then we heard about it the following morning, and I don't want to say it wasn't as bad as we thought it was, but I suppose it wasn't as detrimental to the to the Ravens as, as it could have been. Uh Earl Thomas apparently got into a fight a few weeks ago with his uh, wife, uh, was eventually picked up by his brother, they left the house, the wife then somehow through Snapchat found out what his location was, went to that location, and then she may have found Earl Thomas and his brother fooling around with a couple of ladies who weren't Earl Thomas's wife, and Earl Thomas's wife had a gun with her that she then pointed uh, angrily at Earl Thomas, thinking that it was unloaded because she'd taken the magazine out. But that that famous, I feel like I've heard this in like a lot of movies, there's always one in the chamber that you got to worry about, and she had not worried about that one. So what she thought was sort of a scare situation was a terrifying situation. Could have gone horribly, obviously. Like, that's sort of the good news here is that there were no injuries or anything like that. But... A very, very bizarre story that the Ravens apparently knew nothing about weeks past since the event. Earl Thomas didn't tell them. Uh, Earl Thomas was not arrested. His wife was arrested. Uh, I guess that's important to note. So in the in the debate of what you should tell your employer, uh, you know, scholars could uh, could debate this for, for hours and hours. But want to get your guys' uh, initial thoughts on just a super strange story that could have been worse, but... Still not a great look for Earl Thomas. Yeah, initial takeaway. First of all, even though he wasn't, I don't know, the, the wrong word is aggressor, but like the one that was not arrested in the situation, like you said, Antonio, he comes off looking pretty horrible in this um, because he doesn't know how to turn off his Snapchat location. I mean, God, wh- wh- what are we doing? <laughs> I'm completely kidding, obviously. Completely kidding. Um, I will say in, in a ver- on a very serious note, this was one of those things that for a team that has dealt with the Ray Rice situation. And I remember exactly, weirdly enough, I remember exactly where I was when that news broke. I was just watching sports center, like reg, like a regular, you know, midday in college, not going to class. And this Ray Rice situation breaks and you can't really grasp the severity of it. And, and maybe still can't um, until 
you know, months, years down the line. And then Earl Thomas tries to get ahead of this story by posting stuff on his Instagram. And my heart and mind and everything went there immediately where it's, of course, we're going to look at it from a football angle. This is a football podcast, but, but you thought this again, we're dealing with another one of these guys on this team. Like it's just even before, and and I had a a lengthy debate with a friend of mine about, and we, we can get into this. Would they cut him? Like, you know, before we even knew what happened, do you cut Earl Thomas? How do you deal with the, like moving on from this guy? The gut reaction was, oh, we've like the nickname the jailbirds gets thrown around a lot, and it and there's you know jokes about jokes made about it, of course, and maybe some that push the envelope a little bit, but it, but my heart really sank of like oh we're dealing with another one of these guys on this Ravens team. Yeah, and to your point, Tim Earl uh, Thomas described it in his video as like a quote unquote domestic incident, I believe is the term he used. Um, which, like you said, I think in, especially from covering sports, when you hear about a domestic incident, it's so often just this one thing. Uh, and I, too, my mind immediately went to, like, the Ray Rice situation. Ravens obviously have a zero uh, tolerance kind of domestic violence policy um, that, you know, they enacted in the wake of them colossally messing up the Ray Rice thing in the first place. Um, so that's what exactly where my mind went, too. Uh, but like you guys have said, technically what happened was a domestic incident. Earl Thomas was not wrong there, but it was definitely, the headline was far from what I expected. Um, I was working that night and, uh, Tim, your text in our group uh, chat was actually the first time I got tipped off to it. So I go and watch the video. I'm like, oh boy. Uh, and then the TMZ headline came out like an hour and a half, two hours later, something like that. And I just, I read the headline and I was like, huh. And then you read the story more and you're like, huh. And to your point, a very serious situation. Um, he might be fined, I guess, by the Ravens or possibly the NFL. I would be surprised if he got suspended in any way. Um, but it's a very strange thing, especially if it theoretically was in the last few weeks and we're supposed to be social distancing. Uh, that's probably another layer that's kind of been glossed over. Not a, exactly a great, it's not a great look from any angle of it. Um, but it does seem like Earl Thomas will still be on the Ravens at the end of the day. So I guess there's that. So um, Yeah, that's a that's a great point on the social distancing thing. I didn't even really think about that, but... Like I work in soccer for for my day job, and there's a couple of players who have been having parties like Earl Thomas. Who knows if relatives were involved or not? But they've been getting destroyed in the media, and kind of rightly so. Like this is not something we should be doing right now. And and you are kind of right that that aspect of this has has kind of flown under the radar. Um, and one thing that I that I saw actually before we were doing uh, a little research for the show today that I that I missed initially was. Uh, this is from Luke Jones at WNST as this, the situation was unfolding. Uh, quote, state, statement from a Raven spokesperson on the Earl Thomas story. Quote, we became aware of the situation when we read and saw it on the reports late last night and early this morning. He did not tell the team about this, which I have to imagine they are incredibly frustrated with. Um, look, 
we can get into the playing standpoint now. You know, we, we've covered the moral ground. I know people want to talk about the football side of this. The Ravens have built this defense back to front, and he is one of the main pieces of that. He's got the biggest contract on the team right now. It, they can't even really cut him, which is what people were talking about. And I was, again, getting into lengthy debates with a friend of mine about, oh, well, they could they could restructure stuff and move stuff around this way. Here's what happens. If they cut him uh, in this month before June 1st, they have $25 million in dead cap this year. Not happening. If they trade him before this, the end of this month, $15 million in dead cap. Not happening. And if they release him before the season starts but after June 1st, $15 million in dead cap this year with 10 next year. And the same goes with a trade after June 1st. I, it, it, I think this was handled poorly by him. Um, not telling the team, trying to get in front of it, but delivering just a, an incredibly tone-deaf message, frankly. And then the next day, his entire social media was him, like, dancing and celebrating with his brother and some women who allegedly might be these women that he was with that night. I don't I don't know that for a fact. But the next day, he's posting all this stuff about him celebrating his birthday and doing all this stuff and all these gifts he's got. And it's like, cool off, man. Like, maybe just back out. Go play some Madden. Like, go connect with Hollywood Brown online and maybe rip a few games of Madden with your boy. Like, this is not the time to be kind of out, you know, for lack of a better term, gloating in the media after an incident like this. Uh, Yeah, last, uh, either last week or two weeks ago, we talked about Hollywood Brown winning the Madden tournament, and I sort of wasn't sure if I liked it or didn't like it because the guy was playing a lot of just a lot of hours of a video game instead of, I don't know, playbook researching and, and working out. But now I take that all back because, uh, at, please Earl Thomas, go play more video games and, and just sort of lay off the social media. Just some, Roddy, yeah, I mean, Ronnie Stanley's dying to play an FPS with someone. Orlando Brown, right? I think plays, uh, some... Pat Ricard <laughs> plays a ton of Warzone. I've gotten back into Red Dead Redemption too. Like I, I'll teach you the ways of being a cowboy. If you really want to, Earl, like, like we can figure this out together. We can do this together. So it's just, a lot of it is just decision-making. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say respect sounds so pretentious, but like respect for the organization. They obviously don't want any of this to see any of this stuff. Uh, Tim, when you talk about all these, you know, release numbers and dead cap numbers, the more I look at that contract, I get more and more nervous that this is going to be, going to end up being a disastrous deal that the Ravens made for a guy who last season I didn't think had his best season uh, as as a safety in the NFL. Well, it did make a Pro Bowl. I should say that, yeah, so if you don't know, it's it's a $32 million guaranteed contract, four years, 55 were the numbers on it, and those numbers are always skewed in the NFL. This money is like never really guaranteed with these contracts, but they do have a potential out next summer. Um, you know, we kind of talked about this a few weeks ago with our dream free agents, and I was like, the Denver Broncos have a potential out with Von Miller if they really want it. Obviously, that's not going to happen, but in in the summer of 2022, they can opt out, and it would only be about five million dollars in dead cap. Which I'm sure if one he doesn't play up to this contract because it, it is enormous, or two. You know, God forbid there's any more sort of incidents like this um, that they could kind of say goodbye to him. Plus, after next season, he'll be going on 33 years old. Um, this upcoming season, he'll be 32. And then the two following seasons, the final end of his contract, he is 33 and 34. So they, they might be able to see kind of an out for him uh, and, and, you know, take a little less of a hit. Um, so it's not it's not all doom and gloom. Pretty much after this season, they could move on with it. 
from him, I should say. On a slightly lighter note, my favorite uh, aspect of this whole story has been the the quote from Earl Thomas saying that things happen. Uh, you know, these things happen. I I don't know these things happen. <laughs> I, I suppose I'm not in the NFL world, but uh, what a world it is for that to just be just a run of the mill yeah, day in the life of an NFL perturbed. player. perturbed. Uh, <laughs> didn't seem like it shattered his world, really. It was just like, I will. I will say though. I mean, look, and we don't know, and we can't really speculate on like the personalities of these guys. We don't deal with them all that often. Even, even in a world of social media, you're not gonna like get the actual image of somebody. You could frankly say maybe you're getting less of who they are because they're trying to act in front of a camera twenty four seven. Who knows? Um, but. A lot of that is what concerned me the most about this, was that it just seemed like, you know, the announcement, it's a domestic violence issue, and every, and everybody's like, oh, geez. And, I mean, that, that initial, before the news broke, his initial Instagram post, he didn't even seem bothered by it, you know? And maybe I'm dissecting this too much, but then afterwards, too, it's like, that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way, uh, admittedly. And, and a guy who I thought had struggled a little bit at the beginning of the year and then found his form obviously made the pro bowl for whatever that's worth nowadays um but kind of how he handled it his it's definitely soured my opinion of earl thomas a little bit that from what i had before and and maybe i shouldn't have held him in like a higher regard i don't know but from what you know it's lessened after this incident certainly yeah i mean just final thought for me on it is uh you know, especially for the Ravens, uh, you bring in Earl Thomas. You are currently a team with Super Bowl aspirations. Now, we don't know really where the season stands, if there will be fans, if it will start on time. But whenever it starts, the Ravens are going to be um, on the short list. And we'll get to the schedule here in a moment. But on the short list of best teams in the NFL, barring total catastrophe, which is basically RG3 playing more than one game i guess but um (laughs) this is a team with super bowl aspirations and you want earl thomas is if you're in the front office figures to be a key part of that so you you know and like we've said i think in the past this is a really young team still for the most part i think it it probably is easy to forget how young the ravens are um and in earl's one of the older players on the team he's one of your so-called leaders i suppose uh certainly on the defensive side and then you know, for just this to happen, I can't imagine the organization is pleased in any way whatsoever. Especially, I think, doubly so, because they didn't tell him. If they had told him, they'd be able to, you know, have a statement probably even before the TMZ. Like, if he knew if he knew it happened and then he told the Ravens and then TMZ contacted him, he can contact the Ravens and then he wouldn't have had to release a statement at all. He could The Ravens could have handled everything. Uh, they're a professional sports organization. They pay professionals to handle these kind of PR statements and stuff, but he didn't do any of that. So I can't imagine um, they're pleased with him. So, yeah, definitely something to monitor going forward. No transactional uh, Earl Thomas-related move with the Ravens. However, the Ravens did make a separate move, a transactional move, and this was an addition. And we talked about this last week a little bit. It sort of seemed like the one remaining spot that this team had was that rush linebacker. And I joked about Jadavian Clowney, which is, is, I'm putting this in parentheses, maybe less and less of a joke by the hour and by the day and by the week. However, 
on a more realistic note, Purnell, back on the Ravens, Tim, on a one-year deal. Really, that last slot that we needed addressed is now addressed, and I think this team is pretty much ready to go. Seems like it. Um, you know, I think DaCosta has said that they will still be able, they're still searching for maybe some more pass rushing help, maybe some more interior line help, just, just breed competitions in those spots. But um, after the DJ Fluker signing, which became official at time of recording uh, on Monday, um, we talked about that last week. Their roster is at 90. This McPhee signing will put them at 91, which is one over the limit. So they're going to have to make some roster moves, um, you know, some guys on the back end on, you know, Lower down the guys on IR who are on the practice squad, guys like that. Somebody's probably going to make a move here. But, yeah, I think Pernell McPhee is, you know, there were a lot of guys left on the market in terms of this second-tier edge rushers and then Clowney, who we'll get to in a minute. But I think this is a really smart move for them. Um, McPhee had a pretty good year until he tore his triceps, which is a big concern. Uh, He had 19 tackles and three sacks in the first six games. He was second on the team in sacks at the time. Uh, before he got hurt, a consistent veteran presence and a guy who, interestingly enough, has been very pretty to, if not very good with the Ravens, who has kind of struggled with some other franchises. We see that a lot. Um, had some pretty unforgettable years with the Bears when he left for a big payday. Um, but the, the, the one concern for me is the durability here. Um, he hasn't played a full season since 2014. Um, and in his past five seasons, he's missed more games than sacks recorded, the 24 games to 17 sacks recorded uh, because of problems with his knees. Now he's got the tricep issue. So glass half full, this is a veteran presence to help out guys like Bowser, Jalen Ferguson, um, who you expect to kind of be rotational pieces with uh, Judon on the other side. But, you know, it, it, it is low risk. It's it's a, it's a small deal for them, obviously, but um, I, I think I think one that was that was needed for sure. Yeah, I, I think it, it's like we talked about last week. Kind of exactly the type of guy they're looking for. And personally, I will always have a soft spot for Pernell McPhee. He was a member of the 2012 Super Bowl team. He's got one of the great names in Ravens history. Uh, came up with some huge plays over the years uh, in his first stint in Baltimore. Uh, and like you said, Tim, uh, his three sacks, uh, now kind of an indictment on the team, but was tied for third on the team in sacks last year, and he missed half the season. So, uh, <laughs> you know. By the way, that's that's a total indictment on the team. Yeah, that is not a compliment. There, it's a real but, bummer. Uh, you know, he's still, it seems like, you know, now that you have a Calais Campbell in place, you have a Derek Wolf. He'll be a more rotation piece. It seems like if he can, you know, manage to stay stay healthy, maybe play a little less snaps, he could still be a valuable contributor. And yeah, I think you know, low risk uh, guy. I think probably a guy people like in the locker room. You know, he's it's always champion, quote unquote, championship experience for whatever that's worth. But you know, he was around back when the Ravens were, uh, you know, winning games in the playoffs. <laughs> so uh, to have that in the building, uh, I don't think it hurt. So, um, yeah, I like the move in every respect. I love Pernell McPhee, so bring that him was, back. <laughs> that was such a dig, by the way, the, they, when they were winning games in the playoffs. <laughs> I, I won't forget that one. But uh, just a quick note on that. You, you mentioned he's going to be good in the locker room, and that's great. I think another part of this, and, and maybe they factored this in, maybe they didn't, who knows, but he will not have to learn a new playbook and in a and in a off season where who knows how much time these guys are going to get in person if if any at all um before we get into training camp and preseason and things like that um he he 
he has a knowledge of Wink Martindale's defensive system. And the veteran presence thing can always help as well, uh, with especially with the, the younger guys like Bowser and Ferguson. And if you expect those guys to step up and play more of a role, and I mean, Ferguson did okay. He finished with 31 tackles and two and a half sacks, kind of stepping into that role for McPhee. That lessens McPhee's time on the field. You keep all the guys healthy and fresh and, and rotating as Wink loves to do, and, and it can be a win-win if everybody stays healthy. Yeah, the the thing we talked about last year defensively all the time was, well, they don't have stud pass rushers, so what do they do? They mix up blitzes all the time to get pressure. This side of it is in terms of personnel now, Tim, as you just said. You don't have a lot of stud pass rushers, so what do you do? You put your one guy on the side who's going to be Judon, and then you run through these guys that can be good in spells on the other side. And then you probably keep blitzing and, and try to generate pressure as you do. I love the move. I think it's a, Tim. I think it's a uh, pot, potential reward and no risk move that the Ravens love to make, especially at this point in the off season. And in the meantime, we're just going to sit and wait and wait and wait for another pass rusher, Jadevian Clowney, to just not get signed. And I, this has been a joke. It's been an ongoing joke, and then it's becoming a slightly less of a joke as the weeks go on. And Tim, I'm just going to toss to you because you sent me this text message. With with a little news that I didn't think was serious, and now is it is it getting serious? No, <laughs> it's, it's not getting serious. But uh, anyway, I sh- I feel like we have to respond to this because I mean, if he does end up in a Ravens jersey, I think Antonio is going to break quarantine just to run around his his apartment complex <laughs> three or four times. He's going to be so excited. Uh, this comes from Mark Berman, who is the sports director at Fox 26 in Houston. Um, and it's a video of Jadavion Clowney working out. And just I'll just take a direct quote from this tweet. Free agent defensive end Jadavion Clowney works out at the Plex Athlete uh, Center in Houston with Plex director Danny Arnold. Clowney acknowledges Seahawks remain on his radar. He loved playing there. Other teams expressing interest, according to NFL sources, include the Tennessee Titans, kill me, the Philadelphia Eagles, fine, the Cleveland Browns, I'll jump off a bridge right now. And the Baltimore Ravens are the fourth team in there. So, Antonio, I'll let you run with it, man, because I don't want to squash your dreams. But uh, after talking about how McPhee kind of fits, it's a perfect, sensible move. Let's get ridiculous. Why would Jadavion Clowney be great for that's, the Ravens? And that's why, you know, we got we have to we have to bring the news here on Pod Like a Raven, thin as it may be. Uh, when it's just a, a dude who knows a dude who tells another dude who has quote-unquote NFL sources telling him that the Ravens are just in the mix. This is about as far of an NFL gossipy type story as can possibly exist. However, uh, a few weeks ago, I, I didn't see the Ravens mentioned on any list of, of potential team interest. I have no idea how even in the cap they would make this work. I assume it's one of those situations where they have to sort of like restructure a bunch of deals that they already have in order to make it work. So I'm not saying it's happening. I'm just saying that it's trending in the right direction, which is from zero (laughs) mentions to a tenth of a mention. If he goes to the Browns, Tim, I'm going to break quarantine for a different reason. I'm still going to be in the streets running around yelling, but it's just going to be a different tune and a different tone. And if he goes to the Browns, their their defensive front is officially going to scare me. So, listen, it's Philadelphia, it's Seattle, or it's the Ravens. Go, go, Clowney. 
if he went to the Browns, I mean, him and Miles Garrett, that's about as good a defensive end. I mean, that's two former number one overall picks this year, defensive ends. So that's about as good as a defensive end tandem as you're, you know, going to have in the NFL. And one so. who's very good at swinging his helmet. <laughs> Unsuspended, uh, Miles Garrett, we should say. He's officially back, whatever the season is. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, I hope he doesn't go to the Browns. That would stink. But... <laughs> Uh, they probably have the money to make it happen, so that's a concern. Yeah, I'm more I'm more in the camp of... <laughs> I would almost be happier that the Ravens signed it because it means the Browns didn't than the Ravens acquired <laughs> Jadavion Clowney, like in a weird way, because I just... I never want to live in the in a world where the Browns are good. You can talk about them all you want, and I know, I know I'm stepping on Jace's territory here, so apologies for this, but I want them to just be the eternal team that signs all these guys that people talk about, like, cause they used to just be a, you know, a dumpster fire and they still are, but of a different variety. They used to just be really bad. And you had, they had guys on the team you wouldn't recognize. And, <laughs> and it was just like the list of quarterbacks on and on and on. Seneca Wallace is throwing passes for them as a starting quarterback in the national football league. But now they've transitioned to, Oh, but we're, we're the we're the lovable losers, and now everybody wants to come here and turn this franchise around. And then they just decide to have Freddie Kitchens lead this band of hooligans, which I think is just incredible. Uh, obviously, he's not there anymore, clearly. But I almost like this heel turn from the Browns, where they're going to be the team that gets all the talent and still can't do anything with it. And I hope we see it for a very long time. That being said, one of the pieces of talent that I do not want them to acquire is Jadavion Clowney because I think he's one of those guys that could actually really, really help them. And it would be a shrewd, good signing for the Cleveland Browns. Ravens sign Clowney, immediately trade him to the NFC. <laughs> I'd be fine. I would honestly be fine. Chandler Jones for Clowney straight up. Who says no? <laughs> so, guys, that's it in terms of just sort of Ravens news. Anything else before we get to the uh, random Raven for this week? No. no, because I have a great random Raven. Well, let's oh. go. Tim, you are up this week. Lay it on us. So this guy just popped up on... I was just scrolling through my phone, bored on the weekend, and this guy popped up on the Raven subreddit because uh, I believe he just celebrated a birthday. So happy birthday to this random Raven as well. Let me just confirm this for you. And it actually will be... I'll give you a bonus clue here. So yeah, uh, on Sunday... This player turned 29 years old. I was going to say, if you got the, the birthday wrong, we can't be held responsible for getting the Random Raven wrong, okay? Because well, we know those birthdays, like, to the day, so. Just, yeah. I mean, well, Jace, Jace knows a lot of random things, so I wouldn't be surprised, to be completely honest. Uh, so he is 29, so there's one clue for you. But here are the rest of the clues for this Random Raven. Clue number one. He won a Super Bowl with the Ravens. Clue number two. In his three seasons in Baltimore, he featured in all but three games. But he only started in three games. Clue, clue number three. After leaving Baltimore, he played in seven games with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but never featured for another team in his career, although he did bounce around a few other camp rosters. In 2018... He played as a member of the Roadrunners, led by retired quarterback Michael Vick in the American Flag Football League. Clue number four. Yeah, shocker, uh, Tim. That didn't that didn't help me very much. Didn't trigger anybody. Uh, you guys have been making these very difficult, and and Antonio keeps doing the I'm going to keep them as vague as possible. So I'm doing the same thing here. 
Clue number four. His best season was his rookie year when he rushed for 532 yards in the regular season. In a playoff game against the Colts that year, he rushed for 103 yards on 13 carries. And clue number five, and this this is a tongue twister, so listen to this one. And this is this is going to take knowledge of Podlicker Raven, not just the Ravens. This Temple product wore the same number as the brother of Jace's last random Raven. This Temple product wore the same number as the brother of Jace's last random Raven. I think Jace has it based on these. I think you both have it. You both seem pretty confident. Yeah, I, I think I. It's the it's the it. it's the college. That yeah, helps I think me the, a lot. I think well, the. I think we were at a game he may have scored five touchdowns against the Maryland Terrapins. <laughs> so, I'd have to look that number up, but it was a lot. Well, so spoiler alert, because I did look this up, and I was going to, if you guys were both still stumped, and I didn't, I thought about maybe not putting the college in there, but then I was like, my bonus clue, if they're really terrified or really can't get this, was going to be, in a game while we were in college, he rushed for five touchdowns <laughs> against the Maryland Terrapins. So that'll stick. That'll it's stick. It's that as guy. A <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think I know who it is. Then. Yeah. Uh, clue number two to that clue. Tim left halfway through the first quarter to go continue drinking his apartment because that game sucked. I left it at halftime. I believe the Terps were down thirty-one to seven to Temple, <laughs> something like that. It was Sounds really bad. Right. Uh, so I did not see the end of that game. I believe it was the first game I'd ever left early in college, or maybe, yeah, I think the first one I'd ever left early. Uh, Ramsey Ensel era. What a time! <laughs> That's a great random Raven. I did not know he started so few games. I, I, if, if this right? is the person I'm thinking of. We'll Seems get in, like he we'll, was involved. Yeah, we'll get into this when we reveal him later, but if giving people some time to think. This guy popped up, and this is one of the guys that, like, in the time, I thought, I'll remember this guy forever. And I completely forgot about him until I saw a picture of him. Completely forgot about him. So let's see if you guys can get him. I think this will be one that, you know, if I was on the other side of this, if I didn't know it, as soon as you said the name, I would be like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Of course it's that guy. So it, it'll be interesting. Let's pivot now to the, the most fun segment of the show. And this was the NFL last Thursday, I believe, releasing the official schedules for all the teams, including the best, most important team in the NFL, your Baltimore Ravens. We are going to go through their schedule we're going to go through some other interesting games of note uh, of other teams, and we're going to figure out how exactly the Ravens end up going 16-0 and this season. Uh, you know what? We have some time. I'm just going to run through the Ravens' list of teams, and I'll stop maybe, let's say I stop at the four-game mark and, and see if you guys have any notes on, on those four teams. Besides just saying win at the end of every game, because that's assumed, so we'll run through it now. First four weeks of the season for the Ravens, opening up at home against the Cleveland Browns. Week two on the road against the Houston Texans. Week three in one of the early premier games of the NFL season, the Kansas City Chiefs will come into Baltimore for a matchup in week three. And then week four, the Ravens travel all 30, 40 miles to play the Washington Redskins. Thoughts on those first four games, guys? Um, well... That Houston, if we're talking about what's not bothering Jace uh, this week, uh, it is the schedule because that trip to Houston is the only time the Ravens leave the Eastern time zone 
in 2020. Uh, they have the least amount of travel in the NFL uh, by total miles. It's something like 6,000 total miles. They can theoretically bus to two of their games if they want to just drive up to Philly, drive down. They're certainly drive down to uh, D.C. or, excuse me, the beautiful locale of Landover, Maryland. Uh, um, and, uh, yeah, um, that Chiefs game is going to be tough. That Chiefs game is going to be tough. Texas game could be tough. Browns, who knows? But uh, it's not the easiest start. But overall, I, there's a lot I like about the Ravens, especially the lack of just travel this season. Yeah, uh, I mean, we'll get to it at the end. But the the way they finish is way easier than the way they start. But I still, you know, it, it comes with having the best record in the NFL last season. But nothing really scares me here. Thank God, outside of Kansas City, obviously. But thank God we get them at home. You know, we've played them in Arrowhead two times, and all you have to hear pregame is one of the toughest places to play. Well, come to Baltimore. Fans or no fans, at least we're not in Arrowhead for this one. Um, you know, God willing, the fans will be in the stands for that one, and they'll be loud. They'll be ready to go. Um, the first of our primetime games, which we'll get into, a total of five for the Baltimore Ravens, which if you've listened to this podcast is not my favorite, but that's okay. Uh, I love being disappointed at 1130 at night before I have to go to work the next day. Um <laughs> I well, think it's – go ahead, Jason. Well, we should also say no Joe Test, no booger for this game. It's uh, ESPN uh, words leaked. They are redoing the Monday Night Football booth. We do not know uh, at present time who will be the Monday Night Football crew, but it was it is not going to be our good friends Joe Test and Booger. Uh, so, um, yeah, don't know who will be watching, but it will not be those guys in that matchup. I'm the most insignificant voice calling for this because people with way more of clout than Pod Like a Raven, no offense to the two of you, have called for this. But put Pat McAfee in the Monday Night Football booth. <laughs> Just do it. The guy's electric. He's so fun to listen to. And he, and he tells you something that uh, maybe you don't know, unlike Booger. But, uh, yeah, these first four games, Houston, I don't know. Houston could be great, but then they also don't have DeAndre Hopkins anymore, if you remember <laughs> <Right>. that. Uh, <laughs> so, I... I <laughs> From what we saw last year with DeAndre Hopkins, we still put a whooping on them, so they don't really scare me. I love opening against Cleveland because a win against them and having them go 0-1 will feel so good to start, but there'll be that pressure of, like, we have to come out of the gate and perform. Uh, you know, new coach, new environment, and, and going 0-1 and losing to Cleveland will be a bit of a concern um, early, but I still like having that challenge in week one. Uh, Casey is the game of the season. It's not one of the games of the season. It's the game of the season. And then... At Washington, Antonio, I've vowed to never go to FedEx Field ever again. But if they let fans into the stands and we can get tickets for $12 to go see Chase Young versus Lamar Jackson, it well, might be worth it. It might be a little more than that because I think this game will easily be 65-70% Ravens fans. Uh, Ravens true. have not played at FedEx Field actually since 2012, the way the schedules rotate, so... Uh, we kind of uh, have not played at FedEx since the real cratering of the Redskins fan base. So I am fascinated at how much purple is going to be at that game uh, for sure. Cause it, it could be a lot, uh, especially given the trajectory. Uh, if, if the Redskins are already looking at the Trevor Lawrence Derby uh, by week four, <laughs> it could be, uh, could be a lot, a lot of purple and black in D uh, excuse me. Keep saying DC Landover. I sort of view this as it's too early in the season for there to be fans. I think this is closed to the public. Tim, you and I, a couple of press passes, pod like a raven, and we go there. 
uh, as members of the media who are will maybe still be allowed in. I love, Tim, the point about playing the Browns at home week one because the Ravens are so good week one. John Harbaugh is so good week one. This is a game, in theory, is a must-win. It's that home game against one of the better division teams, uh, and you get it week one where you have all that time to prepare. They're so good week one. They blow teams out week one because they're better prepared. They're in better shape because Harbaugh makes them run all summer. Uh, and they just do super well. So I, I love that we have a home game. It's against the Browns. We start out 1-0, and and the Browns start out 0-1. I'm so fired up right now. <laughs> weeks 5. I'll go weeks 5 through 10. We'll do it in chunks here. Uh, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals come to the bank. That'll be the first Joe Burrow versus the Ravens game. Then the Ravens travel to the Philadelphia Eagles week 6 before coming home for the Steelers. They have a bye week 8. Then they have two road games, week 9 and 10. They first go to the Indianapolis Colts, and then to the, I guess, Jared Stidham still-led New England Patriots by week 10. Thoughts, guys, on the middle portion of the season there? Uh, Cincinnati, still not talking about them. Uh, don't care. <laughs> uh, at Philly, I think is a, I, th- I think it's cool to be playing the NFC East. I know that they've lost a little bit of their luster over the years, but those are some of the teams that won – you know, Antonio and I, especially being in the uh, the Northeast market, we see a lot of them on regional games. So it's very – I've, I've always liked when we match up with the NFC East compared to some of the other uh, divisions in the NFC. So that will be a fun one. You know, if the Eagles are healthy, I think they're one of the better teams in the NFC. Not, not necessarily elite, elite level, but I think they could be really strong. Um, what am I going to say about Pittsburgh? They're going to motivate them by saying, hey – Beat them into the ground, and we'll give you the entire bye week off, basically, you know, to go do your own thing. I think they'll be really motivated and ready to roll there, and, and I don't have to say anything else about Pittsburgh. Indy, I go back and forth on. We'll talk about this as we get later into, like, team pre or team previews, season preview, whatever it is. I think Indy has a really good roster. Is Phillip Rivers still great? Who knows? I think that'll be a tough matchup. And then... We get to go embarrass the New England Patriots on Sunday Night Football in Foxborough. <laughs> I cannot wait, and you can clip this out and you can and throw it in my face uh, on Sun or Monday, November sixteenth, when maybe this doesn't happen, or maybe we only win by thirty and not seventy. But I cannot <laughs> wait to go in there. The Jared Stidham led New England Patriots who have been put in all these primetime games because they're the New England Patriots. But at this point, they're like, what? This would be Week Ten, so they're like. If they haven't had their bye yet, I'm not looking at it. They're like three and six and maybe struggling. The defense is doing great, but the offense is only putting 10 points on the board type of team. And then the Ravens go in. The whole talk from Collinsworth and is Bill Belichick's a guy who really likes to slow guys down. He takes your best weapon away. They're going to they're gonna really shut this running game down. And then Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram again, the Gus Bus, Justice Hill on the screen, and they just – rip them to shreds I, I'm I'm sorry I'm just very very excited about the prospect of football now that we're looking at these 16 <laughs> opponents in front of us and that is the one in week 10 where I hope it's a bloodbath like there's a, of course I would love the Ravens to win every game by 40 because you know I might tack on an extra 10 years of my life if that happened for the for the, the rest of eternity because of all the stress levels going down but week 10 at New England without Tom Brady and they they had the audacity to put it in prime time. 
I would take that as a slight if I was Harbaugh. I seriously would, and I think that 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 one is going to be very fun for the fans in purple and black. Yeah, for me, out of the stretch, I do think this is probably um, the hardest stretch of the Ravens season. I don't know if we've mentioned it yet, uh, but by winning percentage, technically the Ravens have the easiest schedule in the NFL uh, in um, 2020 based on opponent winning percentage now. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers will be better if Ben Roethlisberger is healthy. Um, I, you know, like you said, who knows with the Colts. I think the Eagles are better than their record probably showed last year. They went 9-7. and seven. Um, Same thing, the Colts were actually a 7-9 and nine team. I think they're better than that. The Cowboys went 8-8. Eight and eight. I think they're better than that. But... So I do, but I do think this is probably the hardest stretch of the year. Um, I do enjoy the the right at the midweek uh, midpoint by week eight. I'm always a fan of that. Um, I'm a huge fan of not playing the Pittsburgh Steelers in prime time, which we will get to our next matchup with them momentarily because uh, that might be my least favorite uh, matchup of the season. But um, yeah, I uh, for me it's it's definitely. Um, you know, decent balance between road and home too. There's the two straight road games, uh, and then late in the season they have two straight road ga- or two straight home games. Otherwise, they just alternate again, like they uh, did last year, um, pretty much. So, I did. I also like the Steelers going into a bye. Um, ideally, you win that at home, uh, not in prime time, and sail into a needed bye um, to recover. Um, but I do think this is probably the hardest stretch of the season, uh, but nothing that's too horrible. Like you said, New England in primetime I don't like, but without Tom Brady being there, I feel like I'll like it a lot more than in years past. Um, so it'll be, I, I'm looking forward to that matchup too. Weeks 11 through 14, I would argue, Jace, is the toughest stretch of, of the Ravens' schedule. The revenge game, home against the Tennessee Titans. I'm sure a lot of Ravens have that game circled. I'm still terrified of playing them, even though it's going to be a regular season game. Then they travel to Pittsburgh. That's that Thanksgiving prime time game. That's just a sort of a scheduling disaster waiting to happen. (laughs) And then uh, 13-14, home for the Cowboys. That will be a tough game. Cowboys loading up for for probably a good season. Jace, I agree with you that they're better than 8-8. And then the road game against the Browns, which having won the home game... The Browns are going to really want that game. Last three games of the season is sort of that easier stretch. Home for the Jaguars, home for the Giants, and then the last game of the season at Cincinnati. Guys, thoughts on the sort of the last third there of the NFL, the Ravens schedule? I think it's going to be interesting coming off in New England, which, you know, in the, I, maybe I'm talking so much S because I'm actually nervous that they'll lose to Jared Stidham in primetime because that just seems to be the way those things go. But coming off of that and having this revenge game where these guys are going to be maybe too jacked up could be a little bit of a concern. You know, those revenge games, you have to play them right on that line. You can't go in there, you know, making mistakes because you're just wanting to take a guy's head off. You know, you, you still have to play smart and, and not not play with so much fire to start, like, coming right out of the gate because then you'll, just, you'll lose it. And then on short notice going to Pittsburgh really that that flip from this Tennessee revenge game which who knows how good they'll be next year you know Ryan Tannehill may implode or maybe he'll continue to ascend or play at the level he's at who who knows where they'll be it'll be a tough game I think especially with Derrick Henry in the backfield and then you flip to this Pittsburgh game on a short week it's in prime time and 
I hate being that last game on the Sunday because I've watched so much football at that point. It's not even a bad thing, except for the fact that the tryptophan is set in after I've eaten three platefuls of turkey. That, like, even when it's my own team or it's a great game, I'm sitting on the floor with the button off the pants because those don't fit anymore. And you're trying to stay awake. And it that may like all of that combined probably my favorite day of the year thanksgiving with with food and football but then it's that stress right at the end and then you're going to stress eat more like you're going to eat an entire pumpkin pie because you can't handle that ben roethlisberger's making another late fourth quarter run it it just all of that terrifies me it's uh it's this is my least favorite game of the year the at the pittsburgh steelers on thanksgiving night it has like you said if ben roethlisberger's there i do not think the ravens win this game at all uh, it will just make me angry at the end of thanksgiving like you said tim uh hopefully we're able to travel for it i'm assuming we will be able to hopefully god forbid by november but uh um yeah, it's one of my favorite days of the year. I love, uh, I'm usually, uh, the last several years, I've been at my parents' house for it. But like you said, it's a combination of the turkey, and I'm a night owl, but man, those games go late in the night. Uh, <laughs> that last game, it doesn't kick off until, what, uh, nearly 8.30? Um, yeah, 8.20 kickoff. Uh, so it's been completely dark for hours by that point, because we're after the time change, and you're loaded with turkey, and... Uh, it's just late to start an NFL game, and uh, and I think the Ravens will probably lose because it's a short week at the Steelers um, in primetime. You know, Heinz Field's going to be jacked uh, jacked up, especially if the Steelers are having a good year. They have a great defense, so if Roethlisberger gives them anything, they could be a dangerous team this year. Um, and then, so then this is the run of the Ravens' primetime games. Uh they go from Thanksgiving to a week later. They're back on Thursday night football. Now I do like that. They have a full week to prepare. Obviously uh, you kind of reset your schedule, uh, but the Dallas Cowboys, a very good, seemingly good football team. Uh, I still think the Ravens could win that game. It's in Baltimore. We'll probably have the black jerseys on. I'm guessing, but or color rush. Maybe we'll see, but uh, um, it's night game. So you chances of the black jerseys at home are pretty high. Uh, and then you go 11 days until the next game because their next game, primetime on Monday Night Football. Uh, now, they had a similar thing with the Jets last year where they had a late season Thursday night game and that gave them some time to refresh. Uh, so I don't hate that, especially because that Browns game, depending on how the Ravens do, could largely perhaps be an AFC North deciding game. Um you know, I mean, aside from the Bengals end of the regular season, uh, this would end the Ravens AFC North opponents. And I do love, uh, even though I'm not a huge fan of that primetime stretch, despite getting that 11 days to kind of heal in December, uh, which I do think is probably good for a team with playoff aspirations. Uh, three straight 1 p.m. games against bad teams to end the season is something I am very much looking forward to. These three teams should be amongst the worst teams of the NFL, theoretically, uh, unless, you know, Daniel Jones decides to suddenly become great. But uh, I do love how the season ends, because if the Ravens have to make up any games, they should be able to reel off three straight wins pretty easily, two at home. Uh no, they can't overlook at these opponents, but I don't think they have really in the Lamar era, it doesn't seem. But, uh, yeah, a great ending to the year uh, after that hard stretch. Yeah, I think you guys nailed it. You know, to take you behind the curtain, when this all came out, 
I immediately texted everybody, doom and gloom. Um, I don't care about the easiest schedule in the NFL because that never means anything once the games get started. Uh, but I went five primetime games, and they put three of them in a row. What are you doing? And thankfully, the two of my co-hosts are a lot more level-headed than I am, especially when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens, for the most part. And three primetime games in a row is tough, and, and the short turnaround on Thanksgiving is, is a nightmare. But after that, I think the way it works out, Jace, you nailed it, is essential. Um, we didn't talk about the placement of the bye week. I think it's a pretty good bye week, pretty much smack dab in the middle of the year in week eight. But... You also get the 11 days rest between December 3rd and December 14th, which is about a month and a half afterwards, too, which you could almost treat as a mini bye week between the Dallas game and the Cleveland game. Um, I'm super excited for that Dallas game, by the way. There's going to be, I think, 100 points scored in that game. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> uh, but I think the way this works out for having so many primetime games, like, like you know, wh- I think we're going to say this till the cows come home before the season starts. I hate everyone considering us good. Because in in the history of the Ravens, every time the people are like, oh, the Ravens are one of the best teams in the NFL, they blow it. And, and they turn mediocre immediately. Now, new era, you know, MVP behind, behind the center at the quarterback position. It's a new thing that I'm still trying to wrap my head around that maybe that's, it's okay to be considered good and then just still be good. But, it, you know, haven't seen it yet, so I'm still going to be a little nervous about that. But the other the other quick point, too, is... You talk about these games at the end of the year, and again, everything can change. But in theory, you got three nice one o'clock kickoffs. You know, wake up a little late on Sunday, get the pregame rolling at like, you know, eleven forty-five, twelve o'clock, and then just get your game over by four, and you can adjust for the work week. I love I love a nice Sunday one o'clock game, especially against three teams that will seem to be you know winnable games or win games against uh, less than mediocre teams at least at the moment. And that might be for the one bye. You know, they in theory, they might be fighting the Chiefs. Remember, there's only one bye week now with the new playoff format. They which might need to reel off they might need to reel off three wins to get that bye, which who knows, might not be crucial because of last season. You know, who knows if it's a good thing. But with their bye week coming in late October, they might need some extra time to rest. So that might be crucial for them to go get. And I think Having those three games in the back end is a is a huge boost for them. Also, we're playing Cincinnati to end the season for like the eighth time in the last eleven <laughs> years or something. Yeah, I saw they, some crazy it's, stuff. It's like they did it like four out of five years of the Flacco era there. And the, I, yeah, that obviously you were at a less than great game. Will you against- stop? Will you stop? <laughs> I, I'm. I, the, the, my Garrett Smith, who is a loyal listener to this podcast, shout out to him. He he, uh, we were there at that game, and every time that you talk about it, I get a text from him saying, "Why in the is he bringing this game up?" So please, please stop it. I've tried to bury that so deep in my subconscious that I never think about it again, and yet here you are reminding me every single time we record this podcast it's clearly not a, uh, a sore subject with no Tim at all so it's it's great that no it was years and years ago we've we've definitely forgotten about it uh tim i agree with you i'm gonna and, take the headphones Jace, off i'm gonna take the headphones off we I, I agree with both of you about that last those last three games being so important i'm not as uh concerned with the primetime games with this era of ravens football I was in the Joe Flacco era where those games were like 
past his bedtime or he just like was asleep for the first three quarters of those primetime games and they were painful to watch. I feel like this era of the Ravens, they've just sort of gotten fired up for primetime games. I mean, I'm, yeah, granted, they went 14-2 and last season. They beat everybody, but their primetime games were getting fired up and whipping the Patriots, getting super fired up and destroying the Rams in L.A., they took care of the Jets. I mean, they scored 42 points, and I'm saying took care of the Jets. And then I'm not really going to consider the Steelers game because that was sort of like the B team, but they were really good in primetime. So should we has, have we gotten to the point where we should be more excited for primetime games because Lamar shows up and wants to prove people wrong on national TV for those games? Those scars run deep, Antonio. <laughs> that's, that's all I got to say. Looking at the schedule as a whole, and we've touched on some of these things already, the bye week right in the middle, they tend to alternate home and road. They have two road games uh, in a row, and that's both after the bye, so they should be prepared you know, and rested for those two travel games. Um, overall, it looks pretty good. They have five games against 2019 playoff teams, and that includes the Patriots, who we do not expect it to be a playoff team this year. So certainly there are going to be some teams that are better than they were last year. But just as you can take it now, you know, with a grain of salt, this is about as good of a schedule as the Ravens could have possibly gotten. Any uh, any other comments on, on the Ravens' 17 weeks? Yeah, I, I think that just uh, to Tim's point, it is fun to play the NFC East. It's also good to play the NFC East because I think two of those teams are straight up bad. Uh, the Washington Redskins and the New York Giants are not have not been good the last several years. Uh, you know, the Eagles are inconsistent, but it is fun to play those teams. They're all pretty regional outside the Cowboys, and then in that case, they're the Dallas Cowboys, who the Ravens historically have success against. So, um you know, I'm always uh, excited to play the NFC East. Uh, and then the AFC South, you uh, you can obviously do worse with the rotations. There's some, I mean, you get the Jags involved in the AFC South. Uh, so um, I think they did luck out with their uh, cross division. And to your point, you know, they play the Patriots because that was the first place AFC East team, but then they lose Tom Brady. So um, to, like you said, to have gone 14-2, and I don't think you can ask for a much, you know, easier schedule. Certainly by, to Tim's point, winning percentage of these teams are so different every year that that doesn't really matter. But to, to go 14-2 and two and then be proclaimed had to have the easiest schedule, uh, it's a good thing, I think. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this season. Uh, hopefully they can get everything started on time. But uh, if they even delay it, I still think the schedule's good. So uh, they'll make do. Just looking at the schedule, this is the most preliminary version of this question, but I'm going to ask it. We're not holding this. This is not our sort of preseason, you know, late August call of how the team goes, but just looking at the schedule, and I'll go first if, if you, if you know, to, to sort of sacrifice myself here, but I'm going to ask you too what you guys think in terms of wins and losses, just looking at the schedule now. I think it screams 12-4. and four. I mean, they went 14-2 and two last year. I think a lot of that was they got on a roll and had so much confidence. But I see a couple of games that are going to be really tough. I see maybe one or two of those, well, that's a loss, uh, type games that we're very familiar with uh, as Ravens fans. But there's a few that we can steal. And then there's stretches of games where if the Ravens play their game and they're healthy, 12-4, and four, mark it down, two seed, and they don't get a bye. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I think 12 and four, maybe 11 and five, just if they don't get the breaks in a certain game. Like I said, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are better. I think the Cowboys are certainly better uh, than last year. Just some of the teams they play. Um, and like you said, pretty much uh, once they got going, everything went right for them, and they went 14-2 and two last year. Uh, I think just uh, there's 12-4, you're still a fantastic team, still a really good team. Uh, but, you know, it's the NFL. Every team's kind of close to the same level in some ways. So, yeah. Uh, I do think there's, compared to years past, I think there's a lot less obvious that's a loss games that jump out to me. Uh, perhaps that's just confidence of, you know, what the Ravens have going. Uh, but yeah, I, I think 11-5, uh, probably worst case scenario, if assuming full health for everyone. And then I think around 12-4 and four is probably the expectation in the, in, for fans and for the building, I think. Tim, bring us down. Yeah, I mean... When you were leading up to this, when you were leading up to this question, my mind screamed eleven and five. So I'm probably just going to go ten and six. Um, I don't know, eleven and five. I guess like it's hard to assume health. Um, I am of the mindset, and clearly the pessimist here, that everything went right. So almost everything's just going to go horribly wrong next season <laughs> if it, if it gets resumed. Um, we have not seen the Ravens outside of the Tennessee Titans lose a, a quote-unquote trap game um, under Lamar Jackson it's last year in his first full season. I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking a big win against the Kansas City Chiefs and then laying an egg against the Washington Redskins. I'm thinking, let's see here, <laughs> beating up on the New England Patriots and then wanting the revenge game so bad they still lose that revenge game to the Tennessee Titans. I'm thinking, oh, I don't know. At the Cleveland Browns, they go 2-1 and one on these three straight primetime games. They're doing okay. And then they let Gardner Minshew beat them at M&T Bank Stadium. Um, <laughs> some of these things make me nervous. Now, I tend to take the low road, so I'm not disappointed. If you've ever seen Dodgeball at the very beginning, Vince Vaughn's character is like, I don't set any goals. I don't have any expectations, so I'm never disappointed. That's kind of how I try and treat this, especially so early. So... And even with all of that, I will say eleven and five. I think this team is too good. I think they've done a, a, a great job. This, I, I, I really think we've talked about this a number of times. I think they've done an outstanding job this off season, improving an already great team, um, and not resting on their laurels of going fourteen and two. Now the early playoff exit, I'm sure, helped that, but they have been aggressive and improved where they needed to improve. And I think this team is. By far one of the most talented teams in the NFL. So 11 and 5 probably seems like a low number, but I'm trying to temper expectations slash I've just, I'm, I'm miserable. We will analyze <laughs> the Ravens schedule more and more as the, as the offseason continues. I want to turn, we're right at the hour mark right now. I want to turn to just the NFL as a whole, uh, looking at the schedule. I circled some, some signature games truly from week one all the way to, to week 15 here. Uh, and then I'm going to turn to you guys for just any thoughts you have about the schedule as a whole. We have some some tasty future Hall of Fame quarterback matchups coming up this year with sort of weird teams and weird scenarios. Week one is Tom. I'm sorry, Tampa Bay going to play the Saints. Uh, the Brady Breeze matchup that we really haven't gotten enough of over the past checks notes twenty years. Week one, also Texans at KC in a playoff rematch where the Texans, it should be a good game, and the Texans could also lose by 40. 
Week three, we've already talked about it. KC against the Ravens. That's one of the all-time, all-season great matchups. Also in week three, Dallas travels to Seattle. That's sort of just like a random game I feel like we haven't seen very often. <laughs> week six, another future Hall of Fame QB matchup that I know we will all talk about uh, after that week of games is over. And that's the Green Bay Packers traveling to uh, Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers. Then three weeks later, Green Bay at San Francisco in a NFC Championship rematch. And then finally, my last sort of signature game, Week 15, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City traveling to play Breeze in the Saints in a matchup of maybe both of those teams playing for the, for the number one seeds in their respective conferences. So some super games. Really, the, the short of it is here that I'm very, very excited for NFL football to happen. <laughs> uh, any thoughts from you guys on the schedule as a whole yeah i'll just go quickly um because I, I didn't i didn't have a ton of games like circled i think one that to throw out there i think it's really good that they put and this sounds weird because last season we were literally calling this the toilet bowl but they put Bengals dolphins late in the year so maybe if burrow develops and if two is healthy maybe we get two versus burrow i love like that you, you talked about a lot of hall of fame quarterbacks and rightly so there's a lot of those matchups but i think uh you know from a neutral perspective some some yeah, like the the two futures of the NFL, quote unquote, uh, battling it out against each other is, is cool. And, and Tua choosing number one, by the way, power move, love that. Um, I don't know if it's because I'm with you. I think there's a lot of really good games this year, and I don't know if that's we are there. There legitimately is, or we are just so starved <laughs> and just like need anything now hand up i did not watch that three hour nfl release schedule thing because i think the ravens like tweeted out their schedule before the thing even happened so this was a whole really strange thing the nfl did this year because they've been doing this release show last year or two but this year they allowed all their teams to release their own schedules on social media at 7 30 so then i was like so what's the point of a three-hour reveal show if you every team's schedule's been revealed on twitter 30 minutes before it was very confusing why they did it that way this year we were trying to speculate at work if it was because you know they don't have full access to their studios or what the situation could have been or they just figure it's different markets but yeah for whatever reason the ravens did like a game show reveal thing for their schedule that was really goofy uh i enjoyed it but it was very strange uh very strange decision by the nfl but uh to your point I was very excited to see all these schedules. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and and again, maybe it's a little bit of both, but I think, you know, you have one of the icons of the league, as much as I throw up in my mouth saying that, playing for a different team. You have a lot of intrigue with a lot of these other guys. You have, like, Breeze's Last Ride is one of these storylines. I think there's a lot of really, outside of what everybody's been dealing with, with the coronavirus pandemic and, and the questions about, will the season start on time? How will they do it? Will empty stadiums, whatever it is. I really do think that they there is a lot of just juicy, juicy storylines and matchups, and you highlighted most of them there, Antonio, throughout this year that this season, you know, and maybe we say this at the beginning of every season, who knows, but this season potentially has the chance to be really, really special, and I can't wait for it. I think you hit the nail on the head uh, there, Tim. I think it's just there's been, I think, an abnormal level of sort of uh... – turnover and all levels in the NFL this year. Um, you know, Tom Brady is on the box, which, you know, the probably great winningest, uh, by many measures, the most successful quarterback of all time, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. 
flying on a new team, so we get the Bucks five times in prime time, and uh, in that pretty much national Fox game against Drew Brees in Week One, I'm very excited to see that. Um, even though I'm very confused by people who are quote Tom Brady fans because he's the most kind of bland, like. I get Aaron Rodgers fans, like, you're like, oh, yeah, the guy who can run and throw the ball 80 yards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying yeah, to get I, high fives over here, and I, I literally cannot connect on a single high five from anybody on my team. Yeah, I, it, Brady fans, I, I'll be confused by them. It's like, he's not exciting to watch. He's just very good at his craft, but he's not interesting either off the field. Like, I just don't get the appeal of Tom Brady. But teach their own. Uh, he's arguably he's inarguably one of the greatest to ever play. So he's on a new team. You have a new coach for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, that will always draw interest because they are the Dallas Cowboys. Um, you have, uh, and then now you have the Patriots. This dynasty in a new era. Um, and we have, and it's going to be a shame if no fans could get to go to these because that'd be cool. Two brand new stadiums opening: SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Uh, Inglewood technically uh, is opening, um, and uh, and that stadium's like five billion dollars or something they've put into it. It's insane. It looks like it, the photos look incredible. So I hope people can get to you know go to it eventually. Um, and then the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, are a thing that exists now, um, and we get them. So like you said, I, there's just so much going on. I think the new stadium reveals. Uh, the Rams open with the primetime game against the Cowboys uh, to open their stadium. Then next week, the Raiders kind of christen their stadium uh, with a Monday night football game. So we'll get those. So, yeah, I think there's just a ton going on. And I think outside of the Ravens, the, the Breeze-Brady matchups are probably the highlight uh, of the season for me. At least certainly what I'll be interested in. Uh, just watching the Bucks. Bucks are in primetime five times. Uh, that's not something I think I could say we've done a lot of in recent years is watch the bucks. They had one primetime game last season and it was on a Thursday night. So, uh, it's definitely a new era for Tampa Bay. Uh, so I'm excited to see that. I think beyond the Ravens. One other thing I want to talk about looking at this schedule, this is sort of my, what will end up being my, uh, like future gambling nugget of this episode. And we, every year that Super Bowl loser does worse than you think they should do. We had high hopes for the Rams last season, and they just sort of fell off a cliff. But it happens over and over and over again. And you would not, again, we're looking at the San Francisco 49ers. They look stacked. It looks like they only got better in the offseason. And then the schedule comes out, and over a seven-week stretch in the middle of the season, this is how things go for them. Starting in week six, they play the Rams. They travel to play the Patriots which is an East Coast, right, West Coast to East Coast game. They then have to travel to play Seattle. They're home for Green Bay. They have to travel to the Saints. They have a bye, and they have to travel to play the Rams. Those are seven games that could be an unbelievably difficult stretch for them. So early, early forecast. How does a Super Bowl loser not make the playoffs the following year? They go... However many games that was, because it was a buy in there, seven, six games. They go two and four over these six games, and suddenly they're they're chasing a playoff spot. So that's one of the main sort of nuggets I, I, I found with all the teams. And then the last thing I'll say is this is the life of a Patriots fan, and this is the life of a Jets fan. The Patriots get both of their road L.A. games back-to-back, so they're just going to stay in L.A. and play both of their games there. They're not going to travel twice. 
And then they get their last two games at home to end the season when they're trying to snag that seventh seed. The Jets, meanwhile, they travel to L.A. in Week 6, then they go home, then they have to travel to Kansas City in Week 8. In Week 14, they have to travel across the country to play Seattle. And then in Week 15, they have to go all the way down and play the Rams. And then who do they play on the road in Week 17? The New England Patriots. Jets fans, I'm very sorry for you. You probably weren't going to be very good this year anyway, but the schedule has once again not done you any favors, and you're probably going to be fourth in your division. My my favorite, uh, if we're discussing the Jets schedule, which I did not foresee coming up, but my favorite quirk of the schedule is the Jets play at the Miami Dolphins on November 15th, have a bye week, and then host the Miami Dolphins on November 29th. They play the same team back-to-back, which I think has rarely, if ever, happened in NFL history before. Uh, so, you know, I don't know what to make of that. Uh, it's very strange to prepare for the same team immediately again. I can't remember that happening very much in my time of watching football. So it's definitely a rare occurrence if it happens at all. But yeah, Jets, uh, Dolphins, bye week Dolphins. So <laughs> that'll be fascinating to see, especially if like one game goes great for them and they screw the other one up real bad, like especially the one out of the bye. It's just all very Jets. So I'm hoping for some goofiness there uh, for sure. Also, both teams have that bye. It's not just the Jets who have the bye. The Dolphins also will go Jets by Jets. One of the strangest NBA-like back-to-back situations. Playing each other again. Uh, All right, guys, as we finish up here, any final thoughts on the season as a whole before we answer this random Raven? Uh, I hope it happens and on time and with fans. Uh, That's my hope, so we shall see. Tim, why don't you give us the random Raven clues one more time, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, real quickly, I think the guys have it. So just for our listeners here, if you you don't remember from earlier in the episode, clue number one, he won a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens. Clue number two, in his first, or in his three seasons in Baltimore, excuse me, he featured in all but three games, but only started in three games. Uh, Clue number three, after leaving Baltimore, he played in seven games with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but never featured for another team in his career, although he did bounce around a few other camp uh, rosters. In 2018, he played as a member of the Roadrunners, led by retired quarterback Michael Vick in the American Flag Football League. Uh, Clue number four, his best season was his rookie year, where he rushed for 532 yards in the regular season. Uh, In a playoff game against the Colts that year, he rushed for 103 yards on 13 carries. Clue number five, this Temple product wore the same number as the brother of Jace's last random Raven. Figure that one out. Clue number six, he rushed for five touchdowns in a game against the Maryland Terrapins while he was at Temple. And clue number seven, I left that game midway through the first quarter because I was tired of it. Take it away, boys. Jace, I'm going to let you say the name because I actually can't remember his first name. I have the last name, but not the first name. But he yeah, shares... This is, this is a theme with you. This he... is a theme with you. <laughs> I Listen, it's all box scores for me, Tim. He shares the same last name with a recently departed defensive tackle of the Ravens. That's what I'll say. And then, Jace, why don't you go for the whole name? Yeah, I believe this is Bernard Pierce. Ah. His first name. <laughs> I was going to say is, Brandon Pierce. And then knew that wasn't right. Um, they turned to him late in that Super Bowl because Ray Rice kept fumbling. That was yep. the thing they did. Um, yeah, uh... He was good for like a very short while there. Only and... played only played four seasons. He played, he featured in again all but three games and three seasons with Baltimore after being drafted. Then played seven games for the Jaguars and was never seen again. That's it was very weird. 
Well, so he Did had. He have, I, I believe uh, he had an arrest, right? Yeah, the Ravens. I, was like a DUI situation, perhaps. I think um, so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it and was. And that was, I believe, in the immediate post Ray Rice happening uh, when they were just releasing anyone for anything that happened. So I think he got like a DUI, and they cut him. I think. That was a guy like that's what happened. who, when you saw him sort of on good plays, that the blend of power and speed was something that it seemed like he was going to be a thousand yard back for the Ravens for multiple seasons, and then never really couldn't really stick. And then, yeah, that I think that arrest was sort of the end of the end of his time as a Raven. Yeah, All right, guys. Uh, I pulled it up on Wikipedia if we want the specifics. On March eighteenth, twenty fifteen, Pierce was pulled over by police at two a.m. for speeding fifty five and a thirty five. He failed the subsequent field sobriety test as he was unable to walk in a straight line for more than two yards. And then he was released by the Ravens later that day. They didn't even wait to do anything with him. So it was a bad kind of time for him. I think Alex Collins, probably another future random Raven in a similar boat of uh, rushers who had streaking lights of brilliance. I remember a game with Bernard Pierce where him and Ray Rice both rushed for, I believe over 200 yards against the Giants, or for a hundred yards against the Giants to seal the AFC North. He was good for ever so briefly. Uh, but it, yeah, it's, he's a fascinating one and a perfect example of a random Raven of how like kind of shooting star some of these guys careers are. And you know, like the fact that he's only still 29 is insane. <laughs> like, you feel like he's been gone for so long and he's what a year older than me so uh you know um bernard pierce truly a random raven (laughs) there's a joke in there about a running back not being able to go two yards in a straight line but i'm not gonna make it and we're just gonna wrap up the show any final thoughts guys final comments well, this was good. I hope the Ravens get to play the schedule again. Sixteen and zero. You heard it here, the Ravens. <laughs> Very excited. All right, guys. We will be back next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of Pod Like a Raven for Tim Horsey and Jace Evans. I'm Antonio Barbera. We will see you next week. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.